Love Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm your host, Craig Tuttles, and we're here to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. Now, we have spent a lot of time uh, here talking about the building of broadband networks, but what about the applications of that run on those networks? Because basically, in the end, the network is as good as the applications that run across it. And so we're starting to get more focus on the application side of things. And one group that has come to my attention is US Ignite, which is a nonprofit uh, that is devoted to facilitating the efforts to build uh, broadband applications. And what particularly caught my attention was a program recently announced in which um, 15 communities are building um, broadband applications of various uh, sorts. And I have asked Joe Cochran, who is the chief operating uh, officer with US Ignite, to spend a little bit of time with us today and talk about these communities and other issues related to uh, applications. So Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Greg. I, uh, I'm really glad to be here. And uh, let me just apologize ahead of time. I've, uh, I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, so I apologize if I sound a little bit uh, hoarse. I'll try to keep the hacking to a minimum. <laughs> no, no worries. So, you know, just, uh, just hang in there. Tell me if you need to get a, get a break for a second or whatever. That and we'll we'll just come. We'll just no, work I'll with. No, be good. Thanks. Okay. So um, let's start with the basic background of U, uh, of US Ignite. How did you guys come into being? Because you're one of the, the the original founders. Um and what was its mission uh to to date? Great. Well I'm happy to I'm happy to go uh, through that for you. US Ignite is about three years old. We were founded in uh twenty twelve, uh, actually launched uh at an event at the White House in twenty twelve. And US Ignite's uh came about as a result of a series of workshops that were held between uh, some representatives from the federal government, some representatives from private industry, and some representatives from academia. And they were uh, struggling at the time in, 2000, or in 2010 and 2011 with the notion of how you got more uh, advanced networks built in more places. And their belief was that you needed to show people the benefits uh, that could come to them, not by talking about detailed networking technology, but by showing them what the networks could do right. once they were built. And so mm-hmm. they sort of uh, they came up with the notion that a uh, public-private partnership was needed to be the clearinghouse, the central place where everybody interested in this in this uh, topic could come and talk. And so U.S. Ignite was born of that mission. Uh, we are a 501c3. We're a not-for-profit corporation. Uh, we're unaffiliated with, uh, but we uh, exist by the generosity of some of our partners and sponsors. And over the past three years, we've uh, racked up quite a few, uh, both corporate and federal partners, uh, largely uh, to, date, to date over the last three years, funded by corporate and private contributions, um, corporate uh, donations and, and uh, foundation contributions, mostly over 80% of our uh, funding had come from those entities for the past three years. 
Uh, and that, those include the Mott Foundation as well as uh, Google Fiber, Comcast, Verizon, HP, uh, Juniper, Cisco, and others. Uh, mm-hmm. And our, <clears throat> our basic mission uh, has been and continues to be developing applications for next-generation networks. And when I say next generation, I generally mean three primary components, uh, which I know you're very familiar. The first is very high-speed symmetrical uh, bandwidth to the end user. Mm-hmm. And so we, te- we tend to talk about that as gigabit networking. There's nothing particularly magic about a gigabit, except there's a lot more than most people can get, and uh, it tends to be uh, quite a bit of bandwidth that's able to, to render very high-quality uh, video very sharply, and so that's uh, that's one of the technologies we talk about. The second is uh, smarter and virtualizable networks. So that takes the form of NFV or SDN or some of the other industry acronyms. So basically a network that will deliver the performance characteristics you need at the time you need it. So instead of paying for a very large network connection, very complicated, uh, specially engineered network connection, only to be used every once in a while, the network would be smart enough to know that the end user was trying to do something fairly intensive. Uh, maybe you need low latency. Maybe you need low jitter for a uh, high-quality video conference. And so the network would deliver that characteristic just for the time you were looking for it and then go back to its best efforts in nature. Mm-hmm. And, the third, and the third technology that we uh, tend to focus on as being a part of an advanced network is local cloud or local war computing. So basically bringing all the benefits of uh, remote processing and shared storage and compute that you get from a cloud, but bring those things more local to you on the network so that your cloud is not 100 milliseconds away, <clears throat> but the data that you are using and the computational resources that you are using are somewhere closer to you to really take advantage of the low latency na- nature of uh, some of these advanced networks. And we believe that when you combine those three characteristics, you get a, uh, a truly advanced infrastructure, one that can deliver much different uh, qualities to users today, and applications that take advantage of those uh, particular particular technologies, we believe, uh, will be a, would be a dramatic improvement and really show some uh, fairly amazing things. And so over the past three years, we've been working with developers and entrepreneurs and academics across the country to come up with about 60 or 70 interesting demonstration projects that we have hosted on our website today. You can see profiles of them there. And all of those projects have been uh, demonstrated or shown to work uh, under controlled circumstances, sometimes in a lab or on small scale. Uh, we believe the next phase of U.S. Ignite's mission is to take those things, uh, those projects, uh, and some others and scale them up. And so that's how we got to where we are today. Okay. And uh, if I could just make you a point, make sure that you're keeping close to the um, – the the microphone um so we don't sure. uh, that we don't lose you um sure so how would you i don't know rate if there is a way to rate the 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 state of broadband application development i mean are there just a few are there a lot of people with things ideas on the drawing board uh have we really started to think very much about the application is because they're so focused on just getting a network built in the first place. It's a great question, Craig, and I think I'll answer it. I'll start answering it at least by saying that um, 
you know, as I mentioned, we have uh, we have had up to about 100 ideas or so come through the U.S. Ignite funnel, and as I mentioned, there's, uh, you know, I haven't counted recently, but there's over uh, 60 or 70 of them listed on our website today. Um, mm-hmm. By and large, most of those by and large most of those uh, applications have been demonstration projects, and so they have been something that can show is shown to work over an advanced network connection, but perhaps due to early stage nature of the research or perhaps due to the, the need for scale, um, not a lot of those have been deployed widely yet. And that's really what U.S. Ignite will be, believe, that U.S. Ignite is necessary to start to make our mission uh, become more real, and that is to show that there are, in fact, quite a few very high-capacity advanced networks being deployed across the country today in communities that you and I both know about and have been to. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a result of that, uh, we think it's time to start scaling those demonstration projects up and showing them working with many users across communi- across a community and across multiple communities. And so mm-hmm. that's really the next phase of our uh, that's really the next phase of our programming here. Okay. So then let's talk about the the uh the the 15 um are these um like was there some sort of uh, uh I don't know contest or something that sort of gave all the various head speds going on and projects going on that you picked these 15 or how did that come about I mean it was basically from what I gather you got I got a um Five or six million dollars from uh, NTIF, and that is driving the the operation of this this um, program. But but how do these people get there in the first place? That's a great question. So uh, the National Science Foundation uh, about a year ago put out a solicitation in public uh, talking about a connecting multiple gigabit cities together across the country into a unified network testbed where you could deploy some of these applications at scale and uh, encourage their growth and development. And that was a public solicitation, and mm-hmm. uh, we do Ignite uh, replied to that solicitation, uh, and we're lucky enough to be awarded the grant uh, here about a month, a month ago or so when the public announcement was made. Um, during the course of our preparation and response to that public solicitation, we reached out to a number of the communities that we had worked with over the past few years as a part of the U.S. Ignite program that we knew had uh, gigabit networks and had the motivated community members to get this done. And we received uh, many inbound inquiries from other communities across the country who are interested in participating. And to be a part of our proposal, we we, well, we required those communities to make significant commitments to us and to the program in order to, to reap the benefits. And so I'll outline a little bit um, of, of what the uh, communities will receive as a part of this program and also what they committed to. It'll give you a little bit of a sense of how this may work. Um, one thing I'll also mention, Craig, is that there are 15 communities that we will use as a part of this program, but only 12 of them have been named so far. So ah, we included ah. in our proposal 12 communities uh, that were named. We left, we specifically left a little bit of room for growth and expansion, 
so that other communities that might be interested could see what the program was like and come forward and make their own commitments. Um, the decision to add communities to the program will be made jointly between uh, U.S. Ignite and the National Science Foundation, so I can't promise we're the only deciders, but we are still very open to communities participating. And I'll also talk about, when we get done here, ways that communities might participate, even if they aren't selected for those last three slots, because we have some opportunity for that, too. So we hoped for and anticipated that there might be more communities interested than we had room for, and we, we think we have a solution for that. But let me okay. outline quickly. Okay. Um, let me outline quickly what the uh, what the program looks like. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I mentioned, the the goal of this program is to create a nationwide gigabit test bed uh, for the development of applications in uh, public benefit areas. We we tend to name those as healthcare, education, public safety, uh, clean energy, and the goal the project will be affected by installing multi-gigabit links interconnecting these cities to each other and including a uh, open source, freely available compute and storage rack that is local to the communities as well as connecting those compute and storage resources to their uh, counterparts nationwide. And in doing that, it means that you could deploy an application to one of our U.S. Ignite communities that would be instantly available to others on a real-time basis. And so you can begin to collaborate uh, both with the other gigabit users in your community as well as the other folks who have gigabit network access nationwide. And mm-hmm. so you'll be able to create sort of a market. And our hope that creating this market will spur both uh, public benefit as well as commercial interest in this platform and begin to show that there is scale uh, of among the gigabit communities and gigabit end users across the country. Um, so... As a part of this proposal, uh, participating communities will become a part of this larger nationwide ecosystem. They'll get a chance to collaborate uh, closely with the other communities and learn about what those communities are doing and what things they are doing that might be applied uh, to their own community. They'll get access, as I mentioned, to this very low latency, very high capacity broadband network. They'll also get access to to these uh, local compute and storage racks uh, that will be designed, installed, maintained by us, and so they'll sort of get a free, um, uh, high-performance computing resource in their community. Um, they'll get a direct connection, as I mentioned, to the other uh, cities participating. Um, we will match them up with some of our national corporate uh, and research partners. So, for instance, if there is a university or or across the country that's looking for a project in healthcare, we'll be able to identify communities on our network that are specifically suited to work on that project. Uh, they'll get technical assistance from us. They'll get community building assistance from us uh, at US Ignite. There's also financial support uh, as a part of this. The communities participating will get money to help build applications. They'll get money for uh, development and accelerator strategies. So uh, we could host events or we could host uh, we can help accelerate the de- development of applications uh, by funding the activities of some development teams in each community. Uh, they'll also get some money to offset a portion of the salary of a local technical resource who can be made available to those communities to help work on applications on this network. So that's sort of a, a rough outline of the package of benefits a community gets. Uh, and to receive those, the community had to step up and make commitments and to be a part of our proposal. And so 
the first, the first, and what I consider, we consider to be one of the most important commitments, was they had to step up and and uh, name a uh, multi-person, up to ten or twelve person committee of local influential uh, community members that represented a broad swath of that community. So someone from local government, the mayor's office generally, someone in the administration of the local university, up to and including university presidents in many cases, uh, representatives of some of the larger employers and technology companies in the uh, area, uh, up to and including executives and CEOs, uh, also representatives of any local technology development organizations, local economic development organizations, uh, startup accelerators, investors, etc. So each of those communities had to list the names of the people who were committing to work on this and then choose among those people a uh, project or program manager for that community who would be responsible for gathering that local group and communicating regularly with them and also with U.S. Ignite in managing this project. Um, mm -hmm. in, addition, in addition, the communities agreed to name a technical resource in the community who would spend time, again, uh, some funded time on U.S. Ignite, uh, they had to to come up with at least two ideas for applications they would develop. They had to commit over the course of the three years of the program to develop two applications and get them launched on this program. Uh, they had to uh, devote some local space within a local incubator or economic development center where we can actually have a physical U.S. Ignite space and we will include that space in the events that we do and uh, we'll have some equipment and some other things that will be available to participants in the community in that space. Um, they also had to uh, commit that if they get applications launched on this network after the three-year run of this program, uh, that they will agree to continue to maintain and pay for the equipment and the network connections that we will deploy and pay for for the first three years in these communities. So. Uh, communities that were able to do that and able to most successfully convince us that they were willing to make those commitments uh, rose to the top. And at the end, when we evaluated it, we came up with 12 communities across the country who met those uh, who met those criteria. Wow, that's a pretty that's a pretty extensive exercise there. I have to say, um, it was it took quite a few months. <laughs> But the end, the end product though is um, well. You're not going to have people goofing off um, because you have to be kind of serious to pull all these people together and commit those people. Um, I think more importantly, though, I think the um, the application process probably got a lot of people thinking more seriously. I mean, it's similar to the Google challenge. Uh, before they uh, picked Kansas City, you know, that process of getting the applications, uh, getting your levels of commitment um, to get, you know, you know, your goals in mind, all these kinds of things helped a lot of communities that didn't get a, a chance to be part of the Google world, but they generated so much interest and also some so much um, planning and uh, laying some foundation stuff that they got probably ahead of the game in many respects. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, Craig. And I think you're absolutely right that 
in the, you know, obviously I won't liken our process to the Google Fiber process. I think they had thousands of cities respond. We certainly did not have thousands, but we had quite a few. But I will say that in both cases, having a rigorous, thoughtful approach for the applicants to take, even if those applicants are not ultimately successful, that rigorous approach generates momentum in the community and also generates uh, ideas and plans and commitments that may not have existed otherwise. Um, and I think you've, you've probably seen, I certainly know that a number of communities who were initially courting Google Fiber uh, put together local playbooks of their own in order to do that. And many of those communities, even if they didn't get Google Fiber to show up, have begun to uh, work on those playbooks and accomplish what was laid out in those playbooks, even without Google's help. So I absolutely agree with you. Um, furthermore, as I alluded to earlier, one of the things that I've been able to figure out here at Chris Igniter, we are working to figure out now, is that once the national infrastructure for this program is out there, uh, which we, we, U.S. Ignite, is responsible for building and putting together both the physical and technical infrastructure as well as the social structure. Once those things are created, the uh, delta or the additional cost, the incremental cost of a participating city is uh, not dramatic. And in fact, something like 65 or 70 percent of the incremental cost of a participating city is our funds that go right back to that participating city in the form of uh, money to support local events or local hiring. So uh, we are pulling together an estimate, but we think that for not a lot of incremental money that leaves your community, a local foundation or a local government could sponsor a, a city or a community to join the U.S. Ignite program uh, become the 16th, 17th, 18th, 20th, who knows, city. Um, so we hope to be able to roll that out here shortly um, for any communities that are interested, but we think that could be a tremendous uh, way to leverage what we will be creating with these first 12 communities growing to 15. Very much a, uh, a needed uh, thing and definitely a lot of foresight went into um, getting getting this thing together. Um, let's see. Um, so when we're looking at these communities, um, you and I talked about this a little bit right, right before we started uh, this, the, the broadcast, but these aren't all um, uh, gigabit cities, right? I mean, there, there's Kansas City, Lafayette, and so forth, but then there are also a number yep. of communities that have what I would call a uh, a gigabit facility of one sort or another. Can you kind of explain the, the different levels sure. of networks that are that are in place or are or that are coming to be in pl to place? Yes. So the requirement for becoming one of the US Ignite cities was not that you had a gigabit fiber network deployed to every home in your city. Because as you and I both know, the number of communities that meet that standard are fairly low even today, although it's increasing quickly, which is great. Um, what we did require was that there was a gigabit network, uh, either active or immediately pending in your community, and that that gigabit network connected one or more community anchor institutions or end users. So I'll give you an example uh, in Flint, Michigan, uh, there is not yet, 
a gigabit network connecting uh, the residents of Flint to the Internet or to each other. However, there is, uh, there are actually a couple of very high-capacity advanced networks connecting all of the public uh, schools, the public high schools and even grade schools, as well as local universities together uh, in Flint, uh, including Kettering University, uh, University of Michigan, Flint, and a couple of other institutions. Uh, and that network is going to be used by the folks in Flint to create advanced learning applications between and among mm -hmm. those schools. So there's an example of, an in, of a network that can touch a lot of people by virtue of the fact that more than one person in a school will be using it at a time. So you can imagine, for instance, uh, professors and others at some of the local universities teaching or co-teaching um, high school students in very high-resolution, low-latency ways, maybe even virtual, virtual reality-enabled ways, over a gigabit network that connects their classroom at the university to a uh, high school classroom there locally. So not all of the applications will touch end users only at the beginning, but our hope is that uh, as more and more value is shown by these applications in the places where there aren't gigabit networks touching end users, uh, that those networks come about quickly because people see the value in upgrading network connections because they see the value in the application. Hmm. Um, um. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So as we move this project forward, how are you um, keeping all of the players in touch with each other? Because one of the things I saw on the website is that um, not only are the, in the, the individual communities Doing their thing in terms of uh, you know testing projects, products, and so forth. But we are also creating a virtual network of developers, if you will, where they're able to talk to each other. Um, how how is that being foreseen to play out? So that's also a great question, um, and and we hope to do. A lot of that community building in traditional ways, you know, um, visits, uh, conferences, bringing people together, uh, team collaboration across the communities. But one unique way uh, that we hope to do that is um, that we, uh, as I mentioned, I think that each community has committed to, to there being a U.S. Ignite space in their community somewhere. We don't expect anybody to lease us our own building but to carve out space in an existing incubator or startup hub or other space, which most or all of these communities already have. And in doing that, we hope to put up a, uh, a passive video wall, sort of an always-on or immediately-on uh, video connection to people across the country working on these applications. We would have one end here at U.S. Ignite headquarters where some of our uh, Staff will be able to interact with you and answer questions, and then uh, have uh, another end in each of the in the participating cities. Uh, you'll be able to walk up, uh, see who's working in the U.S. United spaces across the country, sort of digitally tap them on the shoulder, and have a very high uh, resolution, low latency, lifelike video conference with them. Uh, a little bit less 
like a video conference meeting and a little bit more like a sort of passive interaction you might have in a hallway um, of an office uh, where you might pop by and ask somebody a quick question on how they're doing something. So there's an innovative way that we're hoping to do this too. Huh, okay. Um, now, how can other communities um, learn from your various participants? In other words, you've, you've described, you know, how you're going to keep them talking and communicating with each other, but uh, is there some way in which um, people can find out and learn over what they're learning? That's great. So one of the, the major requirements for U.S. Ignite the organization is to capture the applications that are being created in a compelling way and to tell their stories nationwide. Uh, and I welcome your help or anybody else's as we begin to do that. As I mentioned, we catalog all of the applications that we're working on on our website currently, but we need to go far beyond that and perhaps create short uh, video snippets uh, or other media properties that we can use to tell the story of the applications that are being created. Because as I mentioned, the, the key here is to get people enamored with the uses of the network so that they believe that more advanced networks are necessary. Instead uh -huh. of trying to sell somebody on the benefits of an advanced network, which I think you and I and many of the folks you and I talk to, they all agree that advanced networks are important and great. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to convince somebody a network's great for its own sake. I want somebody to see an application and say, "I want that in my town. How do I get it?" The answer right. is, you create, you create an advanced network, and this is possible. And uh, and that's what we're hoping to do. So it's it's very much incumbent upon U.S. Ignite the organization to tell that story and to tell it widely. And I welcome your help or anybody else's help in doing that once we have the stories to tell. Right. Okay. No, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Now, when do you think that though the 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 first fruits of this labor will start to 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 be um, harvested? So. Um, as I mentioned, we have some applications that we've been working on, we, U.S. Ignite partners and members, have been working on uh, over the past couple of years. So we're not starting brand new. Our hope is that some of those applications um, that are already in existence could be deployed fairly rapidly on this network once it gets, uh, uh, once it gets done. And so, you know, we will have a kickoff for this program before the end of the year uh, with the cities that have uh, agreed to participate. And when we do that, uh, we will begin deploying some of the network infrastructure. In many cases, the network infrastructure to do this already exists in the, some of the cities that we were that uh, we selected to work with us. If that's the case, then we might be able to move very quickly to connecting the first phase of cities and so I hope that in the first six months of our uh, program here, starting basically the end of this year, early next, I hope we have some examples already of deployed applications. And certainly by the end of 2016, we should see uh, some. So we should have some stories to tell about projects that are already uh, off to the races. Okay. 
Okay, no, that, that, that seems uh, fair. I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, like a, a listener should take away from this um, conversation is that people need to, like, tune in to U.S. Ignite and start to follow what's going on. Because in my estimation, a lot of people are so focused on the build-out that they're not thinking very much about the um, the application side. And so rather than have this sort of this fire drill after you've built it and turned it on, you know, that, that people can start to think about these things uh, that other, you know, that your various participants are discovering and then can get, like, get ahead of the game. Yes, I agree completely. Um I agree completely, and we need uh, developers, entrepreneurs, innovators who are excited about what they think they could do with more network to come join us and to come build things for these uh, for these cities that are going to participate. And in fact, uh, there are possibly funds, and there is certainly support available uh, to do just that. Um, and so we will be making a, a very uh, broad push uh, to the community lar- at large uh, who might be interested in developing these applications to encourage them to uh, come forward and work on some of these projects with us. Mm-hmm. So there is a chance for not only the cities that I listed and the cities that are participating, uh, but furthermore people from all over the country, from many different organizations, to work on this as well. Mm-hmm. So, so let me shift gears a little bit here. Let's talk about um, like the logistics of facilitating application development. Um, obviously, you need to have a network, um, but you also need to have money from somewhere. I mean, I mean, obviously, there will be people will come up and say, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm working in my basement," or you know, I'm 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 doing a lot of stuff on my own, right? And there'll probably be a lot of those, and you won't even know that they exist. If a community wants to create some sort of some sort of I don't know um, process, some sort of uh, you know with some specific goals and so forth, um, is there a way to do you think to fund this kind of thing? Who would typically fund this kind of development work in in a, in a community? Do you mean the development of the applications prior to the the creation of a network? Yes. In other words, when 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 people yeah. you know you got the network in place, now you got people wanting to, to, to create stuff. But if you wanted to try to put a more uh, formal structure around uh, developing, developing applications, you know, how can you do that and how can you fund that kind of an effort? I mean, it could be, I don't know, you tell me. That's a great, that's a great question. So we are beginning to compile a number of sources of potential support for this. I'll give you some examples of things that have worked in the past and also some things that I know are coming in the future, uh, but we also hope to continue to expand this list. Um, in many cases, <clears throat> there are opportunities at local 
uh, universities, research universities in your community. There are often projects that are underway or potential projects that are underway that could be directed toward applications to better your city, make your city smarter. Uh, if only uh, the energies of the local university and or the students were directed that way. So that's one source of a lot of applications. And in some cases, the universities are already funding this development or already funding the lab or the students who are coming up with this development. So that's one way this has happened. Um, there are some of our technology partners, our corporate partners, who have put uh, contests and competitions out there to develop applications. And uh, we've worked specifically with, uh, with Google and with Cisco and with Extreme Networks in the past. I know that Verizon and Comcast have had challenges out there. Uh, Verizon, I think, was called Powerful Answers. Uh, a number of, uh, of programs where you could work on something and potentially win a, a prize to continue the funding. Uh, in addition, we know that some municipal governments and a number of local charitable foundations uh, have funded applications like this in the past, and we have worked with application developers and technologists in local communities to get those things funded. We've also worked with developers and communities to take their idea to some local corporations and or national corporations who might think it's interesting and be able to fund it. And then finally, uh, the federal government can sometimes be a source of funding for these programs as well, and I'll call out a couple of uh, quick examples. Um, mm -hmm. U.S. Ignite has, has partnered recently with the National Institute of Standards and Technology out of the Department of Commerce, known as NIST. Uh, and NIST uh, it plans to invest about $5 million in smart cities over the next few years, and that investment will come in, the terms, of, in terms of funded research as well as possibly um, some uh, other efforts, challenges, prizes, etc. If that were to come to be, uh, that would be a great place for people looking to develop these applications still looking for funding. Um, the Department of uh, Justice has put some money out for uh, cybersecurity, not, sorry, not cybersecurity, but um, Homeland Security type or uh, public safety type applications. Flint, Michigan was the uh, was the was an awardee uh, for a public a technology enabled public safety application that they are working on currently. Uh, the Department of Energy has had uh, programs out there for smart energy, uh, where they've uh, given some local grants to communities. I believe uh, Chattanooga may have been the recipient of some of those funds. Uh, in some cases, the Economic Development Administration is putting some money into smart cities funding. Uh, and then recently, at the same announcement where our new grant was announced, uh, the EPA announced that they might also be putting some uh, pollution sensor funding, grant funding out there, uh, specifically designed to connect uh, pollution sensors in a community to compute and storage and be able to do analysis on the uh, air quality in the local community so as to make that community uh, smarter and more easily managed. So U.S. Ignite serves as sort of a clearinghouse. I would, I would suggest that anybody interested in a project like this and looking for potential funding, uh, reach out to me or others at U.S. Ignite because a lot of, the, a lot of uh, what I spend my time doing is finding resources for good ideas. And so okay. that's part of my goal. Okay. If, if we can't fund it directly, within this grant program you and I have been talking about, uh, we often go out 
and try to find funding for those good ideas elsewhere. Okay. And that's a good point. I, uh, we, I mean, we, we and I can talk about this, but um, I wrote a report um, how to find the hidden uh, money for community broadband, and it looks at uh, finding sources for the build-out that people don't necessarily think about because, you know, they usually people go to their, you know, to, to the government agency, they'll go to, you know, looking for doing a bond measure and so forth, but they have a limited number of, you know, choices they, that they impose on themselves because if you look at it from the perspective of what are the needs that the network is fulfilling, you can find a lot more money than you think and, I would say that that applies to application development as much as the build out, you know, because as you were mm -hmm. listing, listing these different things that are possible funding sources, they're not the first agencies or the first organizations that some people think of. And I think that we need to kind of, we need to come back to the, you know, how we're going to get money question and look at it from a whole different perspective than what we've done in the past. I mean, that's that, that's yeah, my I, particular bias, I guess. But No, and I don't think that's well, – I wouldn't say it's just a bias. I think you're absolutely right, Craig, and I think one of the ultimate long-term sort of visions uh, I have for the work we do at U.S. Ignite is that we need to make the deployment of an advanced network not just the demand of a consumer – against a company or a municipality. It, it cannot be the case that we just expect consumers to pay X percent more per month for their broadband and somehow we expect a wholesale change in the infrastructure, change out of the infrastructure in a community. You and I both know that building these networks is extraordinarily complicated and expensive, uh, and it requires some degree of betting on the future like any infrastructure project does. However, if you start to look at the benefits that accrue to society overall from a better network, we have US Ignite, we have to be able to show through our applications those benefits. And I'll give an example uh, that I give often. If you came up with an application whereby if one of my kids was sick, uh, instead of me canceling my morning at work, calling over to the doctor across town, making an emergency appointment, driving me and my son across town, sitting there, waiting in the waiting room, filling out paperwork, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through just to find out, as I probably suspected, that it was just a cold and my son mm -hmm. will be fine. Uh, but you don't guess that because you don't know. You look pretty sick. You want to be sure. So now when you look at the net sum of that, I've taken up my time, my lost time out of work. I've taken up capacity on the roads. I've taken up capacity in that doctor's office. Uh, I've tied up a whole lot of people on a fairly inefficient process for what I kind of knew what the answer was. Imagine right. if at 7 o'clock that morning instead, you could go downstairs uh, and poke a button on your TV and get instant, high-quality, low-latency, secure access to a doctor or a nurse practitioner who was on call that morning. And that person could do a visual assessment of your child because they have a very high-resolution image. And that, uh, not only that, but that video conference was very low latency, so you felt natural talking to the person, and there were no hiccups or loss of quality or fidelity on the conversation. And furthermore, you could pass along sensitive medical data, uh, put a temperature sensor in a heart rate monitor that would plug into your TV, 
connect those uh, up and have, let the doctor or the nurse take a few readings and say, yeah, no, as suspected, your kid looks fine, it's just a cold, I've put a, I'm sending a prescription down to the local pharmacy. When you think about who benefits from that piece of technology, I do as the, as the parent, my kid does, they don't have to be dragged all around town, my employer benefits, the healthcare company benefits, the doctor benefits, my insurance company benefits, and society benefits because I'm not taking up space on the roads driving all around. Right. When you think about if you were to add all that benefit up, it more than pays for new infrastructure. The problem is it's very hard to explain to people abstractly all those little pieces of benefit. Instead, we need to be able to show what that is and begin, begin to get other people in a community invested in improving our technological infrastructure. We need insurance companies and healthcare companies saying, well, darn it, I want more broadband in more homes with more capacity with lower latency because I want to access my patients and my customers remotely. And if the demand is coming not just from the consumer but from all of the other people in that value chain, it's a lot more likely you can get communities on board or carriers on board to invest the tens of hundreds or billions of dollars uh, it takes to, to upgrade these networks. And that's really where, you know, again, long-term, big-picture kind of thinking about U.S. Ignite, but each one of these applications becomes that case study that gets another constituency on board until you reach that tipping point where you get to be like a Chattanooga where the community says, well, we think this is worth it. We're betting on our future. We're making this investment. We need more and more communities to do that sort of thing or more and more carriers. So U.S. Ignite is fairly neutral on the topic of who builds the network, but um, that's ultimately what we hope to see is uh, broad-based interest among lots of different constituents about deploying advanced networks. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, um, you hit a point about, you know, telling the story. And I would say that, um, I know you didn't ask me for advice, but I'm going to give you advice anyway. Um, <laughs> as, much, <laughs> as much as you can turn the use of all these various communities, what they're, they're coming up with, as much as you can turn every use into a story, you get mileage, a great deal of mileage, um, for when you got to go to either state legislators, uh, city legislators, when you have to deal with, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting this network uh, off the ground as a community, um, and you're trying to get people in, in, involved, I think it's going to come down to, st- to storytelling, right? And the best thing yep. that you guys can do is create a whole bunch of stories, you know, archive them, put them in different categories if you want, make them researchable and all of that. But, 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 but in the end, you know, it's a story. Um, and that story is what carries the day because the technology is fairly bland. You know, it's it's num- yep. mind-numbing, actually. He, you know, it's important, yep. but it is. It just is. I mean, you know, no one's going to go, um, you know, cross ten rivers and over the mountaintop for bits and bytes 
and what's a gigabit? I mean, it said that's not going to happen. But when people get those those stories, the things that you've described of you know taking your son somewhere um, that is now a a burden and a lot of time now just becomes something that can be done on video from your home without all that extra stuff. And that's a, that's a compelling, not only is it compelling, it's also educational. I mean, it basically, you know, better than any lecture, it basically puts out what the value of the network is. And I just think yep. that, um, you know, I don't know if you know uh, Deb Sosha, but uh, she's with... Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, new New Century Network Cities. Um, you know, we've got to get good at being t- storytellers. You know, that's needly that needs to be what our mission is. You know, when we can when all is said and done, because I think that when we you know when you look at the different uh, communities that are all lined up in this program, right? Because I, I read through the rest. You know, there's there's Flint. And there's Austin, and there's the usual places like Lafayette and so forth. There's a lot of brain power and innovation, and you know ideas, just just sortless, endless. And there are whole bunches of stories that I think can come out of those various um, uh, communities, and we gotta harness. And shape the story, and and get that thing out there because I think just a lot is going to happen as a result of that. I, I really believe in that, actually. Yep, I agree completely. And uh, mm-hmm. we would take your help or anybody else's in the storytelling. So, for sure, uh, it's very welcome. Uh, it's very welcome advice. No, no, no worries, no worries. Um, so we we talked about. Um, uh, you know, funding and so forth. Um, coming back to the the medical uh, uh, issue, um, I have gotten to talk lately about um, healthcare, telemedicine, telehealth. These collectively are the sleeper applications that we've only begun to scratch the surface. Right, we're gonna, kind of, you know, we got this idea of like how to work it with um, education, how we're going to, you know, uh, impact economic development and so forth. But I think that in the area of health, we haven't even begun, and I think that that's where we're going to see, I don't know, some of the biggest uh, advancements with these networks. And I think these are going to become the driving course, right? Because the last four years it's all been about economic development, but I think that healthcare will overcome that in terms of the driver, you know, the reason why this community should have broadband. And I want to know what your thoughts are on that, because you, you see a lot of applications. I, uh, I agree with you completely, actually, Craig, and I'll tell you, a colleague of mine, I think, put it best. We see, when people ask us, well, you know, what kind of applications do you see being created? We see applications in a lot of different areas, but we tend to see clustering in two specific areas. One is healthcare, and one is education. And mm-hmm. 
we were kind of brainstorming about why that was, and a friend of mine, a uh, colleague of mine, put it very succinctly when she said that um, the those are the areas where you have a tremendous demand from the mm. public for uh, mind share of specific experts. So you have a small group of very specific experts. Everyone's the best doctor and the best teacher. Those doctors and teachers have only a limited number of amount, number of hours, amount of time, mm-hmm. and the public has sort of insatiable demand for the time and, and talents of those people. And so, if you can create technologically technological ways to leverage the time of those experts, uh, you will see tremendous economic uh, and social value. And that's why people are trying so hard to come up with these applications. And, you know, the one I gave you the example of uh, with uh, the visit for a uh, a sick child, that's just one of a number of ways to do this. We've also seen applications in the U.S. Ignite sphere written for uh, virtual reality training of surgeons. So Mm -hmm. if you get into some very specific surgery trainings or some very specific surgeries, there are, you know, as we all know, if you have a very – obscure, uh, uh, uncommon uh, illness, Uh, there are some surgeons, you know, people will fly across the country to to specialize with somebody who's done this a number of times. Well, imagine if that person could train a surgery trainee who might live or work across the country, uh, but they could both use the same 3D model of the heart, let's just say, a virtual reality model of the heart. Uh, In Mm -hmm. fact, we saw a demonstration demonstration of a project just like that where you could actually load in the CAT scan or the um, the MRI, 3D MRI images of a patient's heart, and the, and the expert heart surgeon could get on a uh, unit on a haptic device in their surgery suite, and at the same time be talking to somebody across the country who was accessing that same 3D model at the same time, and so the surgeon could watch you do your virtual reality surgery training. And if you did something different or uh, made a mistake, could say stop, could grab the 3D model of the heart and rotate it and show you why they didn't want you to do what you were doing and say do it here instead and not here. Uh, That is the kind of leverage on that surgeon's time. You couldn't possibly fly that person all over the country every 10 minutes to do a training. But you can imagine them, you know, every every couple of hours dialing into a different uh, model and doing that remote kind of training. So... You're absolutely right. I think we've just scratched the surface, especially in those two areas, because you can extend more expertise to more people more efficiently uh, using an advanced network. Right. And uh, there was a guy that I um, uh, I interviewed for a um, story I just did. We're um, we were talking. Well, we're talking about my stroke actually, and. Um, and we were talking about how these guys created a glove that works working on the the premise of guitar hero right um mm-hmm. there are sensors in there that that go get it get um ignited and all of a sudden your hand, which essentially becomes a fairly useless appendage for in the first few months of a stroke, um, it gets them to think that they're being manipulated. And because it thinks it does, the brain does, 
then all of a sudden you start to get movement again, right? And the thing that the doctor said was um, there's a lot of knowledge that people want to get access to, and then they also want to engage the um, the entertainment side of it because a lot of activities, whether we're business or we're talking about healthcare and so forth, are very boring um, exercises. And so, one of the things when these guys were developing their 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 tool, right? And you want to try to explain to someone, you know, you need a bit to get this tool, you know, because it'll make your uh, hand work again. And the person will always say, well, how? Well, because we're going to make you a rock star. <laughs> you're gonna, you're going to yep. be like you're going to be playing this game that looks like Guitar Hero, and you're going to exercise that hand and in basically getting it to think that it's working again. And I think that that's a a concept that gets lost when we're creating this next best application is people need to understand, you know, we need knowledge. So that's key, right? So any application that's yep. based on facilitating the knowledge or gathering knowledge, that's a winner. And if you can have a element uh, attainment value, attainment that value. is a value. Yeah, I agree completely. And so now we 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 it's uh, it's, it's time I've got to actually uh, wrap this up. Do you have anything just you know like a a one minute you know what your expectation of this twelve fifteen city program is going to produce? Sure. I hope that at the end of this three-year program, uh, not only do we have 15 cities participating, but we have 50. Uh, and I hope among those 50 cities, we have hundreds of applications. And I hope that no one uh, asks ever again what the value of a gigabit network is. I hope that everyone <laughs> understands that the only way you get these advanced applications is if you upgrade your network. And I hope that that knowledge and these application demonstrations are encouraging cities big and small across the country to work with private partners or to invest public money or whatever else they have to do to build more fiber networks faster. That's what I hope. Okay. I'll consider that a win. And I as well. I think that that's definitely a good goal to work for. And I think you, know, you have all the elements there so, you know, I wish you guys uh, all the, uh, the luck in the world and, uh, and just, just keep the keep this broadband momentum going. There's just so much that we can do with this. So so thank you for being on the show. I appreciate it very, very much. Great. Thank you very much for having me, Craig. No worries. And to our audience, thank you very much for listening in. There will be um, next week some more shows. Uh, we're talking about co-ops, which is going to be, a, I think, a big issue to talk about in the next few months. And um, so I want to see everybody uh, next week. Thank you again. Have a good day.